Faith means trust. Trust, what am I trusting in? You are trusting in what God says in the book. If the Bible is not involved with your faith, you have no faith. Would you take your Bible, please, and open up to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. In a moment, we'll have a word of prayer. Uh, Before we do, I want to make a couple of comments on this chapter. Because I want to point out here that the, the apostles, they gathered together. This is after they'd been threatened by the council. They got together and they prayed. Um... In verse 24, it says, When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, L-O-R-D. Typically, that word Lord um, is uh, kyrios, and it means um, the one in charge, the one in charge that uh, he can determine if you um, eat or don't eat that day. He has that kind of power. This particular word, though, is not kyrios. This is a despota. And despota means an absolute, absolute owner or ruler. Absolute. The word is used five times in the New Testament. But it's a special word here. And what they're doing is, in light of what they've just experienced, the persecution of man. They've been threatened by the council. Now they turn to God Almighty and they refer to him as the absolute, absolute ruler. And so this is how they began their prayer. Um, In verse 29, they remind the Lord about the threatenings and their request is for boldness to be able to speak the word. Their request is not to ease our burden, ease our the threatenings upon us, their prayer request was to make us stronger, make us bolder. When you and I are experiencing uh, difficult times, we are not to be praying so much for God to take away the difficult times. We're, We're to be praying that God would make us stronger. And in this particular case, with more um, courage and boldness to, to talk about Jesus and make known the faith in him. Now they also mention in verse 30, because they were apostles, by stretching forth thine hand to heal and to, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And that's exactly what the Lord did in answer to their prayer. And these apostles later on in Acts continue to do great uh, signs and wonders. But in verse 31, I want you to notice, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. That's not a, um, a figure of speech. That is the real thing. That building was shaken. And we're going to be talking about that today in the, um, the realm of upgrading our faith and our zeal. This year, I've tried to, to take the first Sunday of each month and speak on an area of upgrading. We want to upgrade our lives, our hearts for Jesus the best we can, folks. We never know. This could be our last year on the planet. Let's make it our best. In February, I spoke on upgrade your love life because February is Valentine. We talked about our love for Jesus, our love for the lost, our love for brothers and sisters in the Lord. In um, March, 
I spoke on upgrading your sacrificial giving. You have nothing to fear. You can, you can do that. My wife and I did that. And this year, we gave the largest single gift to the Lord in Sacrifice Sunday that we've ever given. Um, and again, it's not, we're not trying to boast. We're just trying to say how thankful we are to God that He's increased our faith to be able to do something like that. And as your faith increases, there should be more fruit. There should be more. Your prayer time should be better. Your Bible time, reading Bible time should be better. Your church attendance should be better. There's all these things that should be better and better and better uh, as your faith increases. And your faith should increase. I mean, why not? Why shouldn't we, we not do these things for the Lord Jesus? He gave everything for you and for me. On the cross, he died. He shed his blood for you and for me. He paid what we owe in hell so that we don't have to die and go to hell. We can receive him. Whosoever will can receive Jesus and go to heaven. It's a free gift. Now, God tells us in the Bible that without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if your life has very little faith in it, then you're pleasing God very little. If it has no faith, then you're pleasing God zero. If it has much faith, then you're pleasing God much. That's kind of what it means. And therefore, we need to live a life of faith. We do, and we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. And I think especially as we see God shaking up this wicked old world. Um, hello, it seems every day, every week in the news, we're learning of new horrible things happening in the world. All that is part of the shaking up. This world is not heaven on earth. Not yet, anyhow. It's still in the hands of the devil. A life of faith and zeal for Jesus will mean that we get to experience more of God in our lives than we've ever known before. You have to make that decision. Do you want more of God in your life than ever before? If the answer is no, then keep doing what you're doing. If the answer is yes, then seek to upgrade your faith and your zeal for the Lord. Getting more of God in our lives, as a figure of speech, I'm saying that we're going to get more answers to our prayers. We're going to get more joy and peace, even though God is and will continue to shake this world. Let's not be too upset when we see the crazy shaking that's going on. Prices going uh, through, the, through the roof. You know, when, we, when the ground shakes, we call that what? We call it a earthquake. Yeah, when the ground shakes. It was about 20 years ago, a friend and, and myself, we were in, in my van. We had a van at the time, and we were driving uh, into Vancouver for something. While we were driving, my, my phone rings. This is back in the days when you were allowed to talk on the phone while you're driving. And so I answered the phone and it was my wife. And she was, she was very concerned and she said, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, yes, why shouldn't I be? She said, did you feel it? I said, feel what? She said, the earthquake. I said, no, I didn't feel any earthquake. Well, she was sitting at home and the pictures were rattling and the things on the shelf were rattling, you know. She felt an earthquake. So she got on the phone and she called me. Are you okay? I was at perfect peace. 
I didn't even know there was an earthquake until she told me. Later on, someone said that if you're in a vehicle, um, particularly if you're driving, you won't feel it unless it's a massive earthquake. You won't feel it because the rubber tires and the suspension of the vehicle help absorb all of that. So I didn't know. But the point is, she felt this earthquake shaking, and it really did. I didn't feel anything. I was at peace. And so in a manner of speaking, that's what upgrading our faith will do for us. It'll add shock absorbers. It'll give us rubber tires. Pneumatic means full of air. Rubber tires help absorb these shocks of life. There's a website you should look at, not now, but when you get home. Uh, you have to say that these days because everyone you know, pulls out their little device and you, know, you don't do it now. You do it later, but it's called EarthquakeTrack.com. EarthquakeTrack.com. It's a delightful little site, and it'll show you worldwide where the earthquakes are. And according to EarthquakeTrack.com, there are approximately 50,000 earthquakes every year in the world. That number has gone up, up, up. I've watched that website over the, the last year, number of years, and the numbers have gone up, up, up. Did you know that there is in British Columbia an average of one earthquake every day? Did you know that? Did you know that in the last 30 days, we've had six earthquakes in Surrey? Yeah. I mean, that ought to say something. The Bible says that in the end times there's going to be more earthquakes. And I kind of think we're seeing that. I think that God is shaking things. And a life of faith will help keep us strong when things begin to shake. And by the way, did you know that God causes earthquakes? Did you know that? Well, let's learn about these things. Let's learn how to upgrade our faith and our zeal. And let's start with prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, help us now as we approach this subject. It's an important one. It's a good one. Help each and every one of us learn how to upgrade this most important thing in our lives, and that's faith. And, of course, uh, zeal. Faith and zeal seem to go together. So help us to, to get stronger, better. Help us to have a, a better faith for you and please you all the more. So bless us today as we... Study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's important, I think, that we begin with kind of a definition of faith. A lot of people have a wrong idea about faith. And they, they got some, some different... Let me share with you a couple of different ideas on faith. Some people think that faith is like a warm, fuzzy happiness. And when they feel that, they say, Oh, I, I must have faith because I feel warm and fuzzy. That's not faith. That's warm and fuzzy. But it's not faith. That's not what the Bible teaches is faith. Um, other people feel that uh, it's an intellectual sort of experience. Um, they say, well, I believe in God. And they say that's faith. Years ago, I saw a humorous little cartoon. This um, older gentleman in a mainline denominational church and he had the robes and everything. And in some of these churches, they... They like um, the, the children. Sometimes, you know, the boys, the choir boys, whatever, to follow along behind them in this little procession. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. 
where they'll walk up the aisle this way. Anyhow, in this particular church, everyone was very dignified. And this, this man, this large man, comes leading the procession. And he says in a deep voice, he says, I believe in God. And behind him is this little boy, I think carrying a cross. The little boy says, so do I. <laughs> Just a little humor. But that's, that's not faith, really. Faith is not an emotional experience. Faith is not saying, I believe in God, because in the book of James it says, Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devil also believes and trembles. So it's not enough to say, well, I believe in God. And although we all kind of like warm, fuzzy, emotional feelings, that is not faith. Some other people feel that faith is some kind of a a mystical experience almost like a chant or a charm, if you will. And maybe they feel they have to close their eyes and sway their body or wave their hands and somehow faith is involved with this. And they say, I have faith. Oh, yes, I have faith. I have wonderful faith. And you might ask them, well, what are you doing with the faith? And they'd go, eh? What do you mean, what am I doing with it? I have it. Well, what does God say about faith? Faith, is a means of doing something or getting something. I'm speaking in the vernacular here. The Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? That's very true. It's a biblical truth. But what does it mean? For, For us, what is faith? Faith is a means of doing something or getting something. That's what faith is. The word faith literally means trust. In Hebrews chapter 11, you read this list of men and women who did great things for God, and it says, by faith they did this. By faith they did that. Faith is a means of doing something or getting something. That's what faith is. Whether there's fuzzy, warm, happy feelings or not. That's what faith is. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, the just shall live by faith. The just refers to saved people. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a means of getting something or doing something. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Therefore, faith is a means of doing something, pleasing God, getting something, His good pleasure. Faith is that means... Faith is a way of living your life so that you can do things and get things. Now, salvation is an example. How do we get saved? How do we get to heaven? How do we avoid going to hell? For by grace are ye saved through, what is it? Faith. Faith is a means of doing something or getting something. You get salvation by faith. Faith means trust. Trust, what am I trusting in? You are trusting in what God says in the book. If the Bible is not involved with your faith, you have no faith. Faith and the Bible go together. You cannot divorce them. They are inseparably connected together. Think of faith like driving a car. How many here drive a car? Raise your hand. Raise. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. Raise your hand if you could drive a car. 
All right. How many wish they drove a car? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. A few hands there. How many wish they'd never driven a car? Anybody? Wow. Think of faith as driving a car. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is faith? And you're going to answer me. Driving a car. Can we do play this game? Humor me. All right. What is faith? Okay. Now with that in mind, how does a chauffeur make money to make his living? By what? Driving a car. That's what chauffeurs do, don't they? They chauffeur you around. Yeah, they get in the front seat behind the wheel, and you get in the back seat, you know, reading your Wall Street Journal, and they chauffeur you wherever you want. How does a chauffeur make money in order to pay his bills and live his life? He makes money and he, he lives by driving a car. How does mom get her kids to soccer practice? By, by driving a car. How does a man win a car race? By driving a car. You get the idea. Faith is a means of doing something or getting something. Just to say, oh, I have faith. Oh, yes. Trust me. I have lots of faith. What does that mean? What do you do with your faith? Well, I don't know, but I have plenty of it. Yeah. Oh, I have a car. Oh, yes, I have a car. Do I have a car? I have a car. What do you do with your car? Eh? What do you mean, what do I do with my car? You don't do anything with it. It just sits there in the driveway. Eh, wrong. A car is a means of getting someplace. Faith. Same thing. It's a means of doing something or getting something. It's a way to live our lives. That's what faith is. And that's why I believe there are people who are not saved. They will not get saved because they don't understand what faith in Christ means. Well, all right. So much for a definition of faith. This world, in my opinion, is wicked. Absolutely wicked. And it's not getting any better. The news every week, they're, they're coming out with news stories of greater and greater wickedness. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, Mr. Putin over there in Russia is wanting to install some nuclear weapons and uh, to really uh, get this war going. We've got the, the nuclear-powered China, the nuclear-powered United States, uh, all starting to uh, rattle their sabers. What's going to happen? The price of gas is our least worry and concern. The price of a new house and trying to get a mortgage, that's the least of our concerns. Will we even have a world in the days to come? What's happening? God is shaking things. That's what God does. This world is wicked. It's getting worse by the day. And God is shaking this world, including Canada. We live in a great country. We do. I'm so happy and pleased and proud that I can live in Canada. But we are not immune from the, the shaking of the hand of Almighty God. We must upgrade our faith and our zeal for Jesus so we don't lose our grip when God begins to really shake the financial world and the health and the comforts of people worldwide. Some people, if they lost, you know, a 
portion of their health. They'd go crazy. They'd, they'd shake a fist at God. Others, if they lost uh, their wealth, they do the same thing. Um, if people, they have their creature comforts, if they lose them, they tend to get upset. They tend to go crazy. You know, that could happen to anyone. The way to prevent that from happening is to upgrade our faith and our zeal for Jesus. And that's what I'm appealing to you today to do. Start today. Now, this business of earthquakes, does God really cause earthquakes? Well, the answer is yes, if you believe the Bible. Let me read for you some Bible verses. Psalm 18:7. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the earth moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Psalm 68, verse 8. The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Psalm 77, 18. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lighted the world. The earth trembled and shook. That verse also tells us that God's voice and thunder are connected together. Think about that the next time you hear thunder. Isaiah 23, 11, He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord hath given a commandment against the merchant city to destroy the strongholds thereof. Matthew 27, 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Matthew 28, verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. If you believe the Bible, then you must believe that God causes earthquakes. And it seems obvious to me, but when God shakes things, hang on, or we could lose our grip. In Acts chapter 4, the verses that we read, the apostles prayed and God shook the place. Now, in fact, when the apostles pray, hang on, I suppose we could say, some people are great prayer warriors as were the apostles. You know, something, losing your grip during an earthquake could mean losing your life. And losing your grip when God starts shaking things up can actually mean losing your stability as a Christian, losing your peace of mind, losing your joy. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira got their eyes off the Lord and onto some money, and they lost their grip. On the first missionary journey, God shook things up. A young John Mark lost his grip and backslid and took off and left the um, left the first missionaries alone. There have been Christians who have taken offense over things during a time that God does a shaking and they leave churches. Uh, Demas in the New Testament is an example of that. He left. Sometimes Christians break fellowship with other Christians because of offenses. Yodius and Syntyche in the church of Philippi, these two ladies took offense and they lost their grip. They wouldn't talk to each other. You need to determine, not tomorrow, today. You need to determine in your heart to upgrade your faith and your zeal for Jesus. This is not just a sermon to be watched like you'd watch a TV program or some movie or something. I'm trying to reach over this pulpit and touch your heart. I'm trying to, to encourage you to do something in your life 
that uh, will outclass many other things you've ever done. Upgrade your faith and your zeal for the Lord Jesus because the days are coming if they're not already on us where God is going to start seriously shaking things and it behooves us to upgrade our faith and zeal so we don't lose our grip. Nehemiah in the Old Testament was God's man to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it says in chapter 5 that he shook his lap and said, God, shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not the promise. Even thus he be he shaken out and emptied. Imagine that. Imagine that. Again, determine to upgrade your faith, your zeal for Him. No one is above losing their grip. Me included. None of us are above losing our grip. In Exodus 19, Moses went up to meet God in Mount Sinai. You'd say, Moses, the great man of God. Yeah, he went up there to receive the Ten Commandments and God shook that mountain. In the New Testament commentary of Acts chapter 19 and Hebrews chapter 12, it says, And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Moses was afraid he was going to lose his grip. Take your Bible, turn to the Old Testament book of Psalms. Go to the book of Psalms 18. Psalm 18. Psalm number 18. In Psalm 18, King David wrote this. And he wrote this in praise to God for delivering him from out of the, uh, the enemy's hands. And he says here how he called upon God in verse 3, I'll call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Here's why. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, and the snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. This is the key, folks. This is what we do when things get shaken up. What happens? He heard my voice. Out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Verse 7, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Well, we'll, we'll stop there, but here's David's testimony of God's answer to his fervent prayers. <laughs> God shook the earth. God can, does, has, and will shake things up. And when God does a shaking, you and I had better have a strong faith. Otherwise, we could lose our grip when things shake. I mean, listen, the devil gets in there too. And when you lose some health, you lose some wealth, you lose some family, you lose this, you lose that, you lose the other, the old devil is in there to try and make you fall and make you stumble. And the old devil will put thoughts in your head. And he'll, he'll try and convince you that everyone hates you. He'll try and convince you that everyone knows your deepest, darkest sins and they reject you. And he'll try and fill your head with all kinds of things and nonsense and things that are not true. And unless you have have a good strong faith you will lose your grip I believe the days are upon us where God is beginning to really start to shake things up 
oh, well, that's just a, a little bit of inflation happening. You know, the costs go up, the taxes go up. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, these may be early tremors, but I do believe that this world is headed toward a great tribulation. And that could be any time in the near future. What's going to happen in the tribulation? Read the book of Revelation and find out. It's not going to be a pretty scene. Well, these are the early tremors for that, and they're just going to get worse. There's an Antichrist out there somewhere. We don't know his name. I don't even know if the devil knows. But there's an Antichrist out there who will raise his head one day. This is after the Lord Jesus comes and takes his children home. But before Jesus comes in the clouds and calls us to himself, what's going to happen on the, the earth? What's going to happen? There's going to be shaken up. Things are going to shake. They have been and they will continue to. Now, I'd like to quickly point out that not all of the shaking of God is with disastrous results. Sometimes the shaking is with some good results. In uh, Jacob's case, uh, he received some good results when God shook things up in his life and he had to pray all night. Remember he wrestled with the angel? Remember that story? And that was a bit of a shaking, but the end of that was blessing to Jacob. And there's nothing that says that God can't do the same for you and I. If you're going through a shaking time right now, maybe it's a shaking of things at home, things you never thought would shake are shaking. Maybe it has something to do with your health or your wealth or your future. And you're just wondering, what is happening to me? You need a upgraded faith, upgraded zeal for the Lord Jesus to get through this thing. Jacob would have failed miserably had he said, okay, you win, you win, win. I, I give up, I give up. He didn't do that. He held on and continued to wrestle all night. And it was in the breaking of the day that God blessed him. And said, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. Because as with a prince, you have power with God. And God blessed him after that. And a shaking that you or I may be going through, God may have that very design in mind. And maybe something that you thought is just torturous, twisting of the joints and pain in your body. God may have an incredible blessing for you around the corner. But if you give up, because you've got zero faith or very little faith, you will never get that blessing. You have to have the strong faith. Ruth received it when she said to her mother-in-law, Entreat me not to leave thee or to turn from following after thee, for whither thou goest I will go, and where thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And Ruth, I don't know where she got her faith from, but boy, she had an upgraded faith. And she hung in there and she got blessed. Blind Bartimaeus, when he found out Jesus was coming through, we talked about him, didn't we? We talked about him just recently on Wednesday. He received the blessing. He'd been blind all his life, but he heard Jesus the son of David was coming through his town. He cried out and he would not be silenced. And they finally brought him to Jesus. What do you want? Said Jesus. Bartimaeus said that I may receive my sight. He didn't give up. He didn't quit and say, okay, okay, okay. I'll shut up. I won't do anything. I'll just lay down. I'll roll over. I'll pretend I'm dead. He didn't do that. He had an upgraded faith and he got the blessing. 
the Syrophoenician woman went after Jesus for the sake of her daughter and she got the blessing. The friend at midnight received it when he wouldn't stop knocking and calling, friend, loan me three loaves. He got the blessing. Now the common factor with all these people and so many others is they had an upgraded faith. Do you think you could stand for an upgraded faith? I saw a sign once. It was outside of a church. They said, come in for a faith lift. You know the uh, plastic surgeons talk about a facelift? Or they talk about a faith lift. That's one benefit of coming to church, by the way. You won't get that anywhere else but here in God's house with God's people. Yeah, well, I don't have to be in church to be close to God. I could walk in the forest and be close to God, which, by the way, they never do. But I could, you know. I would then go do it. But you still won't get the blessing because you won't be with God's people. God does the, the big blessings with His people in His house. When God gets His children together, that's when we experience the bigger blessing. One thing that these people all had in common was a great faith and zeal for Jesus Christ. Turn to the right. You're in the book of Psalms. Turn to the right to Psalm 69. Here's an amazing verse here. You compare your heart with this verse. Psalm 69, verse number 9. I want you to read out loud the first half of this verse. You don't even have to read the whole verse. Half, the first half of verse 9. Read it out loud with me. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. You compare yourself with that verse. How do you stack up? The zeal of God's house and God's people and the things of God, it has just eaten me up. I can't get enough of it. I wake up in the morning and say, when is Sunday? When is Sunday? When am I going to get to be with God's people? When am I going to feel the presence of the Lord? When will we get to sing the hymns of Zion together? huh? How, when will we get to fellowship? Oh, i got to wait a few more days. Oh, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. The Lord Jesus spoke those words. Those words echoed the life of Jesus. This is why you and I, we need an upgraded faith and zeal. For the Lord. Jesus sure had it. The apostles in Acts chapter 4. They had it didn't they? Paul the apostle later on had it. And Epaphras was a a servant. Just a servant there in the church of Colossae. And and he had it. So, So many people we find in the New Testament had it. They had this zeal. Zeal for what? Zeal to see the glory of God. Zeal to be around the things of God, the people of God. Zeal to see lost souls come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Zeal to see the gospel go around the world through supporting more missionaries. And the question is, do you have it? Yes or no? An upgraded faith will at the same time upgrade your zeal. They kind of go together. We've got to finish things up here. And so we say, beloved, do you have an upgraded faith and zeal? And why is that? Why is it that so many Christians around the world have very little faith, very little zeal for Jesus? 
In Jeremiah 2 verse 2, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals when thou wentest after me in the wilderness. Here God was calling to Israel, saying, There was a time you loved me. There was a time when I was numero uno in your book. Beloved, can you say the same about Jesus today? Is he number one? Do you eat and breathe and live for Jesus? We're talking about a great faith and a great zeal. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. In speaking to a a great church in Revelation chapter 2, our Lord Jesus said these lonely words, Yet I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. The church at Ephesus was a great church in so many ways. But over the years, what happened? The Christian zeal and faith began to cool. And by the time we get to 95 AD, something like that, that's when the book of Revelation was written. We have the Lord Jesus sending a letter to this church at Ephesus saying, you're doing some wonderful things, but I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. I'm no longer your first love. You know, that happens to Christians. They've been saved a long time, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, they've been saved. But do they love Jesus as much? You know, the same thing happens to marriages, you know that. When they first stand beside each other, all nervous and everything, to become husband and wife, they're so excited. Oh, my lovely bride. Oh, my, my hunk, my handsome husband here. And wow, they're just in love. They got little hearts for eyeballs, right? And they look at each other and uh, they just kind of float on air together. Well, after about a year, it's not the same now, is it? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Whereas maybe when they were still dating, He'd say, oh, oh, let me get that. And he'd open the car door for her. Now, he says, okay, let's go. And he runs down and gets in his side of the car and lets her get in her side of the car. The, the niceties. You know, maybe she would fix herself up in a certain way for him. But now, ah, it's just him. You multiply that over a few decades. Now you can have two independent people living under one roof. Am I right or am I wrong? This happens, doesn't it? Unless we keep the home fires burning, we're going to end up two strangers living under one roof. And sadly, that's why a lot of people end their marriage in divorce. Because they wake up one day and they realize, you know, I don't think I even know you anymore. The kids are all grown and gone. It's just you and me. And what was your name again? Tell you what. Let's, uh, let's not cut the dog's tail off an inch at a time here, shall we? Let's just get the thing done and you go your way and I'll go my way. And Sad, isn't it? But you think about Christian and his or her Lord and where are you at with Jesus and your zeal? Do you remember when you got saved and, and how you just were just amazed that this, uh, this amazing Savior loved you and died for you and wants to take you home to heaven? But that was years ago. Now, it's business as usual. Oh, it's Sunday, I guess we should go to church. Unfortunately, it happens. But it, it doesn't need to stay that way. If you, in your heart today, will cry out to the Lord, I need 
an upgrade in my faith. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. You know, there's two steps you need to do if you want to upgrade your faith. There's two things you need to do. Number one, you need to make a decision that you're going to leave the old, dead, ho-hum behind. You're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to say, I am not content, I am not happy with my walk with Jesus and my closeness with Jesus and my level of faith. I am not content with that. I'm going to leave that behind. You have got to make that decision, number one. And the second thing you have to do is you have to start feeding yourself. Feeding yourself with lots of this book. You're going to have to start consuming a lot more than what you've been doing. You know how some people do their devotions, right? Oh, they haven't a clue what they're reading. They haven't a clue why they've turned to that particular verse. It probably has nothing to do with what they're, where they're at. You need to start and systematically read through. And if you don't know where to start, you could start in the Gospel of John. You could start in the book of Psalms. You could start in the book of Proverbs. You read one chapter of Proverbs a day, you'll cover the book of Proverbs in one month. In one year, you've read through the book of Proverbs 12 times. I think you'll have have a little bit of wisdom by the end of that. I mean, you have to start feeding yourself greater amounts of that book. Let it dwell in you richly. That's what Jesus said. And then you have to pray. You've got to spend a little more time in prayer. It seems that the average Christian is spending only a couple of minutes a day in prayer. How much time does the average Christian spend in eating their food Every day. A couple minutes? How long does it take you to eat your supper or your lunch? Two minutes? Ah, i got to be done. Two minutes, yeah. i got to get out of here. Yeah. No. You like to take your time. We take our time when we watch things on TV. Many, many Christians, they watch TV for a lot longer than two minutes or three minutes a day. Two hours a day, maybe, yeah. We need to get in the habit of praying more. If you're serious and you want to upgrade your faith, and you need to, because if you don't, shaken times are coming, and you could get shaken and fall on the floor, and you could be bawling and wondering what's happening, the end of the world, God hates me, and all the stuff the devil put in your head. If you want to upgrade your faith, it's your decision, but it'll get you through. It really will. Boy, you know, I wish I had learned this kind of thing myself so many years ago. In 1965, Pastor Gene Bartley wrote a hymn. It's in our hymn book. And it kind of talks about what we've been talking about. I'll try and sing it for you. If you know it, maybe you could sing along and help me out. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. 
If your soul is not a fire today, you need to ask him to do that. Would you close your eyes, bow your head. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.